This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, Go Power Cat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to another edition of the PowerCat Questions podcast. I am Tim Fitzgerald, or what's left of me, Zach Carlson, Cole Carmody, Ron Gilbert, here in the GPC studios. I have returned from Las Vegas. Part work, part fun, all exhausting. Zach, you've never been, have you? Still haven't. I was well, talking about this last night. I've never no. been. Never been me either. Never no. been Ryan Gills Gilbert. Maybe we should do one of these from Vegas. Do Okay. Let's go tomorrow. Sign me up. No, I'm not going tomorrow. <laughs> I, need, I need a good, uh, good few months here of rest. What if I go to the Guitar Hotel in Miami this week? Is that... Okay. That's Is that close. a good replacement? That's, that's right. That's, okay. right yeah. that's good. Might stop by the guitar hotel. So can we just get the record straight that this weekend is my birthday. <laughs> Fitz just got back from Vegas yeah. and Zach is going to Miami. And here I am. Thanks. Well, you got to work. Well, Ryan's Ryan. He's already had his birthday, right? Yep. Mm. My one birthday. Mm. Yeah. I, I I don't know if I'm going to really make it out for much of your birthday. I'm, I'm pretty much putting myself into rehab. <laughs> Understandable, but not really rehabbing from any kind of form of entertainment. Just I need I need some time, man. I need some personal time. It's like Vince Vaughn eating breakfast and wedding crashers. Sometimes you just need to be off alone. Do you think? Make sure you stop in the fridge. They're the sponsors of this fine, dignified, and sometimes lengthy podcast. Fridge has been with us for a very long time. Let me say that again: the fridge has been with us a very long time. Apparently, I no longer can speak. I, I, guys, Vegas just—I I just said this on on WW. It's it's really not that you drink a lot or stay up a lot, or it's more about it's just an assault on your senses. There's so many noises, the all the machines and the slot machines and the people. There's crowds and there's neon and colors. It's just like it just wears you out completely. And by Monday, I was hiding in a room. I was like. I'm ready to just kind of lock myself in here. So you stayed there for like six days, basically? Mm-hmm. Return flights because of the – yeah, it is. Uh, four was too much. Return flights because of the draft. Uh, one way on Southwest was 650 if you wanted to fly direct. You could cut a couple hundred off by bouncing all over the country to get from – but uh, if you got a direct flight. I want that. So I stayed and paid 150 and flew back on Tuesday night and then drove from KCI to MHK. And we're pulled in my driveway at 4.20 a.m. I saw an old friend last night. We talked about you. So old, like, as in long time or someone my age? Uh, someone that used to be on this podcast. Uh, Riley. Yeah. No, it was not Riley. Darn it. 
But Marcus Watts and I, we made a bet saying that you would absolutely stay in a hotel last night. Like what? Oh, in Kansas City? In Kansas City after your flight. We did not believe in you to drive all the way home. Well, look, I'd been in Vegas, and so if you go to bed at 1 a.m. in Vegas, it's 3 a.m. here. So it really wasn't that big of a switch. I just, and I did fine, actually. I I took a little nappy before I left, and this is horrible content. And then I kind of dozed off on the plane a little bit. But, yeah, this is the PowerCat Questions podcast. You ask us questions about K-State as a VIP to go PowerCat over at Wabash Station, our premium message board, and then we answer those questions for all to hear. That's this is how it's pretty simple, and then I'll babble on about stuff, and and it gets too long. Anyhow, thank you to the fridge for being our sponsor. Ron Gilbert's going to take the first half, I believe. Let's do it. First question comes from Claws Out Balls Out. Any idea how many scholarships the football team has left after the transfers? We we had to start with something that uses math and. Requiring me to think. I have Apologies. absolutely no I, idea. I Why did we either. put this question in here? Because our answer is, I don't know. You can blame Zach. <laughs> I don't know. I have no clue right now. It, and really, honestly, what's made it difficult, Wally probably keeps track of this a lot better than I do. Well, he does. Um, is that when walk-ons hit the transfer portal, you kind of start subtracting. Like, hold on, that's a walk-on. So that's what's so distracting about the transfer portal in football. A lot of the guys are walk-ons. A lot of the guys are guys you wanted to transfer so you can have the scholarship back. I think they're fine with scholarships right now. I, I know they need to add some more pieces. They definitely need to add some more pieces to this roster. And there, there's probably some other announcements coming that has been hinted at at Wabash Station. But um, they can do some things. Let's put it that way. The yeah. answer is enough. Un- thank you. They have enough to do whatever they want to do. The scholarships will not limit them. You should not be freaking out by the fact that they weren't able to have a spring game. Let's just say that um, they were down on injuries. Um, that's the reason why they, they didn't play spring game. They had guys that were out. Uh, they will be ready for the fall from everything we're hearing. But they're going to have enough scholarships to, to do whatever they need to do in the portal. I fully believe that. Mm-hmm. Now they just got to find the right guys. I, mean, I think they're going to they're gonna want another linebacker for depth, probably another D-tackle, certainly um, safety. Probably a receiver coming up. Probably. And a running back still. So there's some needs there. And there's guys there. There's We're so involved in K-State right now in the basketball portal. The, the football portal is – it's like a giant dumping ground. Mm-hmm. Because so many of the guys in there never were on scholarship or probably shouldn't have been on scholarship. And they just don't find a new landing space. There's just so many names that just are inconsequential. And I don't mean to dismiss their careers, but when you're talking about guys that might end up at K-State, they're inconsequential to the entire conversation. Next. Let's let's get out of let's let me answer stuff I know. From Andy, I don't think you would know this. From Andy G6899, who is a new member, so welcome. Well, I why does he have why does he have all these numbers? Is that his birthday you That's think? probably a pin number like wizard. <laughs> It's probably the bank pin number. That's my guess. Something or like that. He was born June eighth of nineteen ninety nine. There you go. Andy G. We're getting younger. Mm, that's that's you're bending our demographic way downward. Yeah. Okay, question. How much do you think Colin Klein talks to Coach Snyder about offensive philosophy? That's a great question, actually. Thank you. 
Again, this answer is going to be the same. I don't know. <laughs> but I do think it happens. I, I don't think that's a regular thing, but I know Colin would probably never hesitate to pick up the phone and say, okay, coach, if they do, if a defense does this, what, how, would, how would you handle that? What a great resource for a young coach. That'd be a that. fascinating conversation. It would be to, to get coached at really getting into the X's and O's. I, I've said this on the podcast years ago. I think it was years ago. But, you know, there's that thing, and I think it's kind of faded a little bit, master class. You can get an online class and, like, being a chef. Yeah. There's a barbecue yep. one. I think Adam Carolla does a podcast one. I'd love to see a sports version of that. And the first two I'd do is Bill Snyder on offensive football and Bob Stoops on defensive football. How many coaches, let alone just fans or reporters like us, would pay the $99 or $199 to have Bill Snyder over an eight-hour period teach us all these things about offense? It would be fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, I would really love that. And then, you know, you have Cliff Revelto on jumping. You, I mean, that's just scratching the surface of, guy, of people I know. So I, I, I can't imagine, uh, you know, multi-event and track and all the different aspects you get into with basketball. Yeah, I, I would love I, I would love to be on the fly wall, fly on the wall for that conversation because, and that's the thing though. I think Colin is absorbing like a sponge from multiple sources. At the bowl game, I saw little bits of Andy Reid, little bits of things that you know he's probably picked up along the way from watching other teams. That's what that's what the best do. The best steal better than anyone else. I'm not sure Coach Snyder wouldn't worry about stepping on somebody's toes. Like I, I, I agree that if he asks him a question, if Colin picks up the phone and he calls Coach and says, hey, what do you think? I agree that he would probably give him some advice. But I feel like he wouldn't want to step on any toes either. And I know that that's not something that, you know, because Kleiman, I guarantee you, would welcome it with open arms. I agree. But – I just see somewhere along the line of Coach Snyder being like, you know, you know, you don't work for me. I don't want to step on any toes. And so I don't know if that would be a logistical, realistic conversation. But, I mean, anytime you have had the influence of playing for one of the greatest college football coaches in history, it would be hard and tempting to not give them a call. You know, as time goes on and it gets further away from, you know, the time period of Bill Snyder coaching – I can't help but wonder how much of his knowledge doesn't necessarily apply as the game continues to evolve. Because he, I, he evolved with it. He evolved with it. And now he's not. And now he's not. And now, you know, defenses look different than what they were even four years ago. I mean, your offensive philosophy is different from what you need. You should have been running four years ago anyway. So, you know, I, I, I don't want to discount the great football mind of Bill Snyder, but at some point that knowledge becomes an encyclopedia that, you know, there's nothing being added to it. Like a 18th century map of Europe. It's Britannica. You, you know, you had it all yeah. memorized, but now it's like, well, what is it, this country? What is this? Right. Britannica, like 1956 or something. You're just like, all right, mm-hmm. it looks real nice on the bookshelf, but how useful is it? Or the other side of it is, his understanding of the simplicity of football, yes, yeah. the numbers game. You put this in the box, you put that outside the box is what I'm going to do. Uh, people don't understand that when he was at the peak of his offensive play calling, he was just moving defenders around like a chessboard to open things up. It was just fascinating to watch how he'd, he'd get into a formation, have a little motion, move a guy five feet 
A defender moves five feet, and then he runs through that space. It, just over and over. And I know a lot of offensive coaches do it, but he did it with such systematic brilliance in the heyday. It was just so fun to watch. But, I mean, particularly when he went to the run offense, when he went to the the dual threat power run game with Michael Bishop and L. Roberson, it was so brilliant to watch how he, he set those plays up. From Itain BB. How important is it to see Skylar Thompson drafted at all and before Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, for the future QB recruiting by K-State and by Coach Kleiman? That's a good question. It doesn't, doesn't hurt. I mean, it, it certainly does help that he can say, I got another guy drafted, because Chris Kleiman's building up a pretty damn good resume of quarterbacks that he's he's either recruited or worked with that that have been drafted. And I was a little bit surprised, but as I always say, it just takes – one franchise. It takes Ryan Gilbert, you know this. It just takes one girl to think you're attractive. <laughs> if you find the right one, it's okay. Everyone else can think you're ugly, and we do. Yep. But the right girl. And that's the way the Dolphins were. The Dolphins I mean they <clears throat> just stop and think. The perception of those two guys as quarterbacks, and the Dolphins have their choice. They saw things that we've seen all along from both guys that made them go, Oh, he's the better guy. But I do think it's funny Brock Purdy's Mr. Irrelevant because that's kind of what he was in the history of Iowa State football. I think it's super important that Skylar Thompson got drafted because now not only will they not have to show video when we bring when they bring in recruits at the camps and, and we as journalists have to sit there and watch videos of Carson Wentz, you know, knowing he never played at K-State. Right. You know, I agree. It's a good thing for him, but it's just as good as it is for – the K-State football program, like, you have a quarterback who is going to make an NFL roster. Because make no mistake about it, this is about as good of a place as Skylar Thompson could land, right? He's going to he's gonna battle it out, and he's probably going to end up on the practice squad. You don't draft a guy, especially with a first-year head coach, you know, a first-year general manager. You don't draft a guy at the quarterback position that you're not going to keep. I, if they... If they would have signed him, it'd be different. But the fact that they drafted him, they knew they had had him targeted all along. And so um, I fully expect him to make the Dolphins, especially when you look at their roster. I know this is getting in the weeds a little bit, but two is their starter, and Teddy Bridgewater is their backup. Both of those guys have major injury history. So all it takes is one injury, and he's holding a clipboard, and another injury, which we've seen in the NFL before, and he's playing. I mean – I don't think Skylar Thompson is going to take an NFL snap this year, but I'm not putting it out of the – I'm not throwing that possibility out the window. It's all valid, and I think it points to why the Dolphins picked him because they know he'll be prepared. Yeah. He'll be ready to go. Now, the irony is he also has injury history, (laughs) so maybe you want to be the four-string guy. You know, and honestly, I'm going to admit I was wrong about something. I I said if if you're Skylar, you don't want to be picked in the seventh round, you want to be a free agent. Someone said, no, you don't. And now I think about it, and I'm like, that's a blank, blanket statement for most players. That I get to pick my, if you're an offensive lineman, I get to pick my place that best fits me as opposed to getting drafted. And I may not quite fit there. But you bring up the valid point. If you're going to use a pick on a quarterback, position specific, in the seventh round, you intend him to make your roster. That may not be true with an offensive guard or a linebacker or a safety, but a quarterback, you're using that value on that, you you probably intend on him being on your practice squad. 
Good. Nice moving them. Sorry. We're, we're, we're trying to, we, we've got thunder outside. I'm a little surprised that we're not hearing more into the podcast because this is not, I, I know you guys don't know this, but this, this isn't a professional studio. We're in my house. I, I know you didn't realize you thought oh. I built all of this living structure around my studio, yeah. my professional, but it's not, this oh. is my house. This is just a spare bedroom that looks badass, but I also have windows to the outside world here. It's a very narrow spare bedroom. Um, so when we bought the house, there was a stage on this end. A stage? A stage. In a bedroom. Yeah. Well, and plus we built this closet here. The closet was at this end. So, Well, then what's that? That's utilities. That's like the heater and AC and all that. But yeah, there was a stage and uh, a younger guy that was in my fraternity like after me, this was his childhood home and that was his drum stage. <laughs> he was a drummer. So in some ways, I think this, this room has always been designated the, what the hell's going on? We need a soundproof it room. So, yeah. Did you touch his drum set? <laughs> <laughs> no, I stayed, stayed away from his, his drum set wasn't here, just the stage. Wasn't here, okay. But then not long after moving in, we had a flood and uh, the water went under the stage structure and it wasn't good. So the stage was gone. We probably should move on. But anyhow, this is my house. That's really what I was trying to say. Ready? Yeah, let's see. Are you sure? Hey, no let's more see, let's see. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's Las Vegas. From General Schwartz, if I were to set an over-under at four and a half K-State players to be picked in the 2023 NFL draft, what would you bet on? Under. What was it? The, oh, four? four and a half. Four and a half. Oh, under. The smart pick is under. Mm-hmm. What are but, the odds? Give us, you got to give us, you know, mm-hmm. plus minus. What do we, what do we got here? But when okay. you take into account that there were two players who neither one of us, none of us, expected to be taken at the start of the season, taken in the NFL draft. Now, granted, it was in the seventh round. Still counts for this bet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like all it takes is one good season. Reggie Stubblefield, we would have never have thought that he would have had a chance to play in the NFL, and he's going to be in a training camp. I didn't think he had a chance to play at Kansas State. Yeah. Yeah. So, Timmy Horn, saying, I'm not ready to say that it's a under. I mean, you have some certified, I don't want to say locks, but I saw Pro Football Focus or another um, a site had Cooper Beebe as the number mocked in the number 28, um, 28 pick in the NFL draft. So, like, hmm. I, if I'm just going off the top of my head right now, I mean, yeah, if, if Cooper Beebe has first round projections you know going into the you know into the draft i think he probably declares so you got one there adrian martinez probably gets drafted stays healthy. if skylar thompson gets drafted there's right no way if, adrian if, martinez doesn't get drafted. exactly that's that's my thinking so you got two there uh felix and you dk i don't think I, he's ready i don't I think, think he's stays, physically yeah. ready i think I, there's too many there's too much counting on guys to leave early to get you're over four and a half right now. Okay, but here's a guy like Josh Hayes. That's a guy who could very easily get drafted. If he has a good season, he could be the Rush East on this football team where he's just steady Eddie and he ends up getting drafted in the sixth or seventh round. Like, there's multiple guys on this team that could easily have that happen. But the crazy part is, we're not even talking about Deuce Vaughn yet. Um, he's not getting, with all due respect, he's not getting I, drafted after. His senior year, let alone his junior year. I'm not year. ready to say that just because we don't know what the season looks like. I'm talking about potential. And if he declares for the draft, 
If Cooper Beebe declares for the draft, if Felix Enyedike Uzama declares for the draft, those three guys will get drafted. Throw in Adrian Martinez, who, we bo- who we've already established, has, if he's healthy, he will get drafted. And then you just need one surprise player, somebody who we haven't, I haven't even been, this is just off the top of my head. I'm not ready to say completely over, but I'm not ready to say under. If those guys declare for the draft, somebody with the NIL money should have been stepping up. What happened there? Because a lot of those guys you say declaring, they they would certainly make more money staying another year in college and I, and and improving their game for a senior season versus declaring after their junior year. I fully expect if yeah. he, if Anya DK has a good season, I fully expect him to be gone. I do. I don't. I. Well, I think he might, but I think he might be surprised what happens because I've walked in a room at press conferences with SEC and Big Ten defensive ends that do the same type of thing, and they look completely different. This than is true. And he's impressive, but he needs he needs to get bigger, stronger. He still does and improve his speed, expose, add to the explosiveness and all that. But I, I'm going to say under. It's just such a wild game. I mean – Look, I don't cover Cincinnati football, but they had nine. That's an incredible number for any program. So, you know, K-State's just not recruiting at that level. It's still working their way up. I mean, what's Cleed Duke? What happens to him? Daniel Green will probably get drafted. Deuce, you forgot about Now, there's there's probably, I don't know, there's other guys in this team that could play into it. But, I mean, if four is the under, I would be impressed by four, so I'll take the under. But I, I don't yeah. I don't see Deuce declaring early simply because he's small by small standards. And and I think what is gonna happen with Deuce is someone is gonna end up picking him up. Maybe they draft him after a senior year, maybe it's a free agent, and they're gonna create a role for him. Because he's such a weapon in certain areas. Gonna be a third down back or something like that, returner. Mm, yeah. But I'll go under. I know I just tried to talk you all into taking the over, but I am going to take the under, too. Jeez, Cole. Goodness gracious. That's the smart money, right, goodness. Ryan? With Cole, your scenario, I mean, the stars have to align perfectly. Yeah, yeah. You need – Martinez gets injured. Yudike Uzama doesn't have the perfect year. There's so many things that can I think go two and a half this. is a much fairer number than four and a half to, yeah. to debate. Yeah. To get even money, you'd yeah. two and a half, I feel like. I would take yeah, the over. Over, and over four and a half is – we're talking a lot of zeros there. But if K State has a good season, again, I know it's you know what they say: if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, and we don't have a merry Christmas. But man, I don't know. I don't know what kind of Christmas you're having. Yeah, shall we? Yeah, we I better, got the look from from Fitz. We got to get out of the when we're talking about can, candy and nuts or something. <laughs> yeah, we got to move on. Last question of the first half from El Camino Cat. Explain how Texas, with all of their money and access to talent, did not have a player taken in the NFL draft this season. So Texas fans, I love how fans just turn. It's all Tom Herman's fault. It's all, that's his recruiting. No, the problem here is, <clears throat> is the recruiting services. And I'm, I'm talking about us. I'm talking about the national recruiting services that upgrade a player because they're being recruited by so-and-so. But the coaches know, oh, this guy's getting recruited by Texas, and he looks the part, but he's got bad hips. Or he's, not, he's not quick enough. Or they, they, they see it. Texas sees five stars. Their fans got more five stars. <laughs> we got them. We got five stars. This kid's a three-star. 
in a five-star body with a two-star heart. But all you see is the five stars. And you can't win games with it, and you can't get drafted if you if you got flaws in your game and you don't think you need to work on them, and you don't have heart. You don't have commitment. And if you keep recruiting guys like that, you're going to keep continue to flounder. Texas has set up a system for themselves to fail, and it's just so fun to watch them try to blame everything else around them and not understand, no, it's you. All you fans care about are getting the five-star guys. So what, do you, what happens? You get the five-star guys because Texas was recruiting them. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, and you're getting guys that probably should be better. They have no interest in getting better. The thing about this is there is no service after college football. Is there mock drafts? Sure. But do NFL teams look at mock drafts and say, oh, because Mel Kuyper has us picking so-and-so here with the 10th pick, we're going to pick him. They have their own evaluations. Guess what? They don't care what star you were coming out of high school. They flip on the tape. They do interviews with you, and they make their evaluations. They don't care if you were a one-star recruit or if you were a six-star recruit. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So Texas can get all the five-star recruits they want. If they can't play, then they're not going to make the NFL. At the end of the day, Texas had the players to go five and seven. You want to talk about Sark? That's fine. The reason they went five and seven is because they just weren't that good. Like, Honestly, they lost to KU because they weren't that good. Or KU's really good. KU was so good, they just got really unlucky a lot of the times, except against Texas. Yeah. Where they were really good. A lot of bad luck for the last 15 yeah. years. What is going on? Sorry. Sorry, I said that out loud, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. that, was that the last question? That was it. Thank God. Guys, my brain doesn't work. This just doesn't work. It's not. This is working for me. Hope this is working for you, listeners. That's the first half. That's what we're doing here. We're going to have a whole another half, and I'm told we're going to do an overtime at some point. I got nothing. That was Zach yawning. That sums it up. <laughs> I hope the music didn't cover it up, so I'm going to talk a little bit longer so that the yawn is more visible. In fact, I'm going to turn up the yawn sound. Jeez. <laughs> that yawn was brought to you by The Fridge. Need a little motivation? Go to The Fridge. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast continues after this short break. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Questions Podcast. We're brought to you by Guys Chips. 
Guys, chips. Here's the sound of them being eaten. No, you didn't. Well, Zach doesn't listen to this anyway. Good point. The last time that Fitz did the chips like on the overtime like five years ago or whatever, that was the last time I ever listened to a podcast. I do not listen to these podcasts because Fitz put chips in once. That would have been... I did that while sitting in my Aggieville office. Yeah, it's been that long, bud. So that the, the overtime, when I just got exhausted with doing it, it just burned you out. You get too carried away with the sound effects. I just started putting chips on it. It sounded like someone on the set was eating chips, and it was annoying as hell. And I got a lot of complaints, and it worked perfectly because then I stopped putting in so much sound. Anyhow, these are chips being eaten. Let's move on to the questions from Wabash Station. We're actually sponsored by The Fridge, which pairs brilliantly with Guy's Chips. Guy's Chips, owned by a buddy of mine in Kansas City. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Did they God, sell? you're yawning again, Sorry. man. You're just killing me here. Over your mouth. I've been yawning, but I... Keep it quiet. Man. Everybody's got to see it. Everyone's got to see it. Yeah, get into the fridge. I don't know if they sell guys chips there, but they have other delicious snacks and drinks. Basically, all you need for a party is found inside the fridge. You can get your cups. You can get your five-hour. You can get your hangover cure. You can get your mixes. I mean, you can even, like, take Kevin home and make him party with you. And that makes a fun party right there. Kevin's fun. There we go. Get into the fridge. Here's more of your questions from Wabash Station. I have no idea who's asking. I have no idea what's going to be asked. I'm just here because these people are in my house. I'll take the second half. First question of the second half comes from 3G Wildcat. What most excites you about K-State Athletics for the 2022-2023 seasons? The fans. The fans. Coming off a bowl win, coming off a change in coaching and basketball that re-energized the fan base. I feel fan engagement is going to go back to where it's been in the past. And fan engagement has been down. It's been down. We went through this romantic period with college football in which everything was fun and new, and it, it was great. You went on the road everywhere. You, you flooded bowl cities, and we saw that dissipate. We saw it kind of go down. And as I said, over and over, Vanderbilt broke fans, just they invested time, money, passion, and going to Nashville was going to be great. Played one of the worst teams in the Power Five and, and got beat. That just broke the fans. And, and, and they're still recovering. We still haven't seen the full fan surge. We didn't even see it in Arlington. We saw a great turnout. But 20 years before that, that had been 40,000, not 20, 25,000. COVID probably had a little bit to do with that. COVID. COVID derailed all of us in, in – Anything like going to athletic events. But mostly I'm just disappointed in what's happened with basketball. It just – I'm going to be blunt. I'm mad at people. There's a lot of people out here who tolerated what we had for the last five years because one season we had a good year. And then another season every five years we had a good year. This is what it should be more like. You should be engaged in having fun. So I'm I'm excited for the fans. You deserve this and, and make the most of it, but know that it won't all be perfect. You're going to lose some games. I don't know if basketball is going to be good next year. I don't care. I've been through three shitty seasons. I don't care if basketball wins the Big 12 or gets the NCAA tournament. Do I want it? Yeah, but there has to be a recovery period from what we've been through, from the destroyed expectations. And I see that. On down the road. I'm not saying they won't be in the tournament. I'm just saying I'm being realistic here. 
you have to be realistic. It's going to be an uphill battle to completely rebuild that basketball culture because it doesn't just involve the locker room. It involves the fans. And I'm really optimistic about it. It could be a really, really fun season. And that's why you should be subscribing to GoPowerCat.com. Very good. Is it okay to say football? Like, is that, is that acceptable? Can, I, can my answer be football? Why can't it be? I don't know. I just He's going to tell us why football is the best answer, and he's going to flip it. And then he's going to be like, actually hour. basketball. Yeah. Jerome I'm saying, Tang. I'm going to say football, and it's not because I'm not excited for basketball, but I think right now, especially you know where we are on May, when you're listening to this, May 5th, um, people are focused on basketball, rightly so. But there is a lot of potential there for football this season. And you're right, coming off of a bowl win after you know going into a season where we're like, this is make or break. Um, there is an opportunity uh, to take the next step, which really hasn't been taken since you guys would probably know this better. When was the last time football actually took a step forward? Um, I don't know. 14? The year after... The year after the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, right? I mean, that was the last time they really taken a step forward. So that's almost that's eight years ago. It's a long time. So I mean, there can there's an opportunity to take a major step forward. And I think going off of that, the fan participation, we won't have to be sitting here talking about attendance next year. I fully believe that because everybody's going to be more invested. There's going to be so much. You know, what we're going to complain about the little things like parking and beer, and then the stadium. Yes, but is that going to stop people from coming to games? I don't think so because the opportunity to take a step forward is going to be there. I'm most excited with recruiting. And I think it goes without saying that basketball recruiting has taken a step up. But if Kansas State can land, you know, Dylan Edwards or Avery Johnson, some of these local guys, how much does that also not only excite the fan base, but just, you know, give you a better outcome on the field? So covering recruiting has been a lot of fun. And I think it's only going to get better from here. I'll say Colin Klein at offensive coordinator. I think that the offense is going to be refreshed. I mean, obviously, it's going to be refreshed. It's going to look new. And I think that that's exciting because you you aren't going to go in to that first game knowing what to expect. I mean, I'm not. they're not going to say it. They're not going to show everything. You're going to see a lot of vanilla in the first games. But as conference play arrives, you're going to see more and more pieces of what Colin Klein wants to do for this offense as a coordinator. So I think that just the unknown there of what, you know, we saw a little sneak preview against LSU in the Texas Bowl, but I don't think we truly grasp what is happening, especially when players are coming to media saying, yeah, we, I don't know how much we can say. We're fast. I don't know how much I can say. Like, it, it's, there's, they're doing something. I don't know what exactly they're doing, but it's going to be a lot faster and it's not going to be anything what you've seen K-State run in the past. Under Bill Snyder, under Chris Kleiman, with Courtney Messingham, it's going to be completely different. I thought thought that Bill Snyder was the coordinator. That's right. They did. He is asking for the philosophy there. That's right. Duh. Hmm. Duh. Next question comes from Krause House. What do you guys think constitutes a quote-unquote successful first season for Tang and staff? Personally, I believe it's going to be a mix of how competitive they can be in Big 12 play and how Tang manages the game, i.e. timeouts, when to pull slash leave a player in, when to press, and most importantly, the quality of his halftime speeches. Well, being able to win close games. 
I mean, I think well-coached teams, teams that are well-defined by their coach with practice, they understand how to win close games. KU. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Helps that they have a lot of talent. But, yeah, they know what they're trying to accomplish on top of being talented. They have had that drilled into their heads over and over. This is what we do. And it's so funny. It's kind of a such a core coaching philosophy that Bill Self, you know what we're going to do. We're going to run this little silly weave thing that doesn't seem to do much, but we end up winning a bunch of games because eventually one guy will screw up his defensive switch. Just over and over, they do the same things, but you can't stop it. So, yeah, I, <clears throat> basketball being successful, um, well, I'll be pleased if they win a national championship. I'll just say that. I'm going to go out on a limb here. If if Jerome Tang wins a national title in his first year as coach, I'm going to say that's success. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. But there's other ways to judge that. Um, and I think just being back into uh, a com- more competitive feel in the Big 12, not that you're holding on for dear freaking life, that you can actually go someplace and win a game and not by chance. It always felt like just something happened that K-State won. Not that they were the better team, that maybe they hit 15 threes for un, you know ungodly reasons. But uh, now if, if you feel like you have confidence to go win every game, um, I'm going to turn your mic off, by the way, uh, win every game, that, that'll just feel more put together as a program. I really hate to say this because it's super cliche, but just be competitive. I mean, this, this roster, they might get some of these big-time portal guys, but it's not going to be glamorous. This, this staff needs a few years to really establish its base with its recruits out of high school, right? So just be competitive, and I hate to say that because I said that a lot under Weber, but just be competitive and, and have a collective rock, locker room that's not turning against each other. And I think we're going to see that on the court. We're going to see guys play a lot harder. In defense of Bruce Weber, I thought last year's team was competitive. And I, they did seem to be more cohesive as a team. Sure. They just didn't seem to be good enough. Yeah. They, they they could keep a game close. Uh, it kind of felt like Ron Prince running the ball down two touchdowns in the fourth quarter so he could only lose by 14 instead of 28 because he threw an interception or two. I mean, he managed the sizes of losses. That, that's kind of the way I felt about last season. Sixth place or better is my benchmark for success so the ncaa tournament i would get you in the ncaa tournament probably yeah but i think seventh or eighth is neutral you didn't really improve you didn't really have a setback you know it's just kind of you can improve by and and finish seventh in the conference but i i think that playing not playing in a wednesday big 12 tournament game if you can get out of that by being a six seed i think that that is easily definitely success i think it's hard to say that yeah we had a successful year and we were seventh or we were eighth just because it was better than last season i don't think that it you know i i don't i think that's it's tough to say jeez i'm out of words i i don't know i it's neutral for me if they get seventh or eighth they stayed the same as far as what the team is i I always come back to this is it too much to ask to be above average in your conference no and that means you're fifth. It shouldn't be too much to ask. Apparently it was previously, but it shouldn't be. I I actually had K-State say, well, we're K-State. I can't say those words in my podcast. I probably shouldn't say it to anyone, but you know what I want to do. And what, you know, just 
that's horrible. Don't don't compromise on your expectations. Being above average shouldn't be too much to ask. Period. I, and I, I honestly, guys. What this boils down to, I don't give a damn what the record is as long as people go to the games and the program is rejuvenated. Now, will winning help that? Of course it will. If they go out and suck, there's not going to be people there. So does rejuvenating the program and winning help? Yes. But if you can rejuvenate the program, if you can get people back in Bramlage, get this, get the excitement that there there is for May 5th in the offseason right now, in October, in November, when they're starting to play and they're winning games and keep that all the way through March, I think that's what matters. So I will also add that not losing to any non-Power 5 schools in the non-con be big. Because how many times did K-State lose to Texas Southern or Northern Colorado just out of the blue or Fort Hayes State, may I add? You know, just just, just win the games that you're you're supposed to win at least out of the Big 12. I think that's going to be a really good start to a successful season. Next question comes from KSU Royals Cat. What do you think is the biggest advantage K-State has in recruiting compared to other Power 5 schools in both football and basketball? Mm. Manhattan? You've talked about this before, Uh, Fitz. I do. I I, I think Manhattan is undervalued. K-State's campus is undervalued. You just got to be able to identify the right kids. That will appreciate the things you have as a university. And, you know, Bill Snyder said it over and over. It's always, it's always been about the people. And as I travel around, people don't understand this is really a special place. And, and I like that the, the basketball coaches have come in and quickly realize, holy crap. They're, and again, they're not just saying this to recruit and to be saying the good things. They're blown away by the fans and the town and the investment everyone has in Kansas State University. It's a special place, and so many people take it for granted because they think this is just like every place else, and it's not. I'm telling you, it's not. Particularly in this town, when you stop and think about a place like Aggieville, people understand like, it's all awful. They've had a couple of shootings. It's just the worst place ever. It's just what nothing good happens here. Their after. bartenders are ugly. Yeah, yeah well, that's true. Um, but you talk to an out-of-towner, someone that's never been to Manhattan and been to other college towns, they're like, holy crap, there's nothing like this in America. So you just got to emphasize what you're good at. I mean, and for others, it's easy. Come to USC. There's the ocean. <laughs> you know, but would you want to live in L.A.? I mean, would you, you got traffic, you got smog, you got crime, you got, no, I'll take Manhattan. Do I wish we had an ocean? Yeah, Tuttle Creek. It's lovely. It's lovely. (laughs) Those are some great photoshops. Those are really good. Those are funny. But yeah, I'll I'll take Kansas. My I had a when I was in Vegas, a a waiter came up to me and goes, "Hey, where you from?" I said, "Kansas." He goes, "Oh, Kansas flat. I'm a hiker." And I go, "Not where I'm from." And I showed him a picture of the Flint Hills. He goes, "Flint Hills." And he goes, "What?" (laughs) Yeah, it's got great hiking. Mountains? No. Oceans? No. But again, Kansas is the girl you marry. I think it helps bringing in Jerome Tang. One, he's been here before, but two, he's coming from Baylor. You know, Waco's not, you might think of Waco as a college town, but half the town doesn't care. Nobody cares in Waco about Baylor football or basketball. You know, maybe some alums, but it's not a, it's not an event in Baylor. So 
So I think that that's one thing that helps him recognize, hey, Manhattan's a special place because the fans do care here. And being a smaller community, not exactly on an interstate in between two bigger cities that you'd rather be in, you know, this is a destination spot. You got to get here. And once you stay and you stay around for a little bit, you understand what it means to be a K-State fan when you come to this community. I think as someone who's from Kansas City, you know, when I when I first came to K-State, um, it was one of those things to where it's like, oh, it's a small town. You know, I'm so used to having to sit in the car if I want to go somewhere. You're going to be in the car for 15 minutes with stoplights and everything. It's like, oh, but Manhattan's so small. You know, there's really not that big of a community. And the more that I've been here and lived here the past four years and gotten to be more involved in the community, you know, not just K-State, but the community in general, it's like everybody cares. Everybody cares about K-State athletics. I have teachers that I work with, well, that I used to work with now, maybe when you're listening to this, that every day, so what's going on with K-State sports? What's going on with football? What's going on with basketball? Like, people care, right? I mean, it's not just Manhattan. It's the it's the surrounding community. And, you know, I don't know if it's like that other places. I haven't been other places. But I do know that that advantage is seen when – you come to a football game and there's 50,000 people in Manhattan and 55,000 people go to the football game. That should tell you something right there, that this community is the reason why KCA is beginning to have success recruiting basketball and you know, ultimately will try to get back on the right track of football recruiting. So- we, we can't sit here and act like Manhattan's the only, I don't know, special – Sure. Town. Stillwater School, Zach, you can attest to that. And, you know, Morgan Manhattan's Town, better, but it's better. Manhattan's better. Better. Cool. But Manhattan is cool. And Dorian Finister, I talked with him about his decision to come to Kansas State, which is up for our VIP subscribers. Fitz, are you proud of me for I'm that proud, plug? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. Um, I still haven't read it. Well, I'll tell you something that he just said he that Manhattan me, is. He? he talked about you, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Manhattan is just everything's purple. The street lights, the street signs, all that stuff. The elevator he was in, I don't know where he was at, but what has a, what has a purple elevator? Purple oh, he elevator. probably was in the Zero. tunnel of the football oh, entrance. That would make sense. That's probably what I have no clue. But you you got to sell all that he stuff. He probably to just misspoke the most you can. Unless unless these coaches are so attentive to details, whatever mm. it's ha- Whatever hotel they have them staying in, the elevators <laughs> in purple. I don't know if you guys – Wouldn't put it past these coaches to yeah. be relaxed. Well, I don't know if you guys saw this on social media or not, but Sean Phillips put on his Instagram story, a recruit who was here. Uh, the coaches gave him his favorite candy in the hotel room. They the, went, which is spread on the – And it was is, spread out on the bed. Which is? I have no idea. Th- this is big. I did, this is five-star recruit, four-star recruit decision right here on his candy. Little tiny things. It all adds up. It all adds up. And see, I told you the, the purple street lights were awesome. Zach? No, they're dangerous. Zach, so He's what, a hater. I, I, what was it? West Star where, got where are those? Sh- that shipped Manhattan the wrong— Somebody, Well, it's all across the Midwest. Yeah, they shipped they, the wrong tint of bulb. They, they, well, the, there was a defect that they like. They look normal at first, and then they change over time, I think. And so we have a number of street lights in Manhattan that are like a— People say they're blue, but they actually look lavender. Yeah. And— it's kind of cool, but Zach's right. It's not bright enough. It reminds me of going to Boulder or a mountain town where they have limited lighting because of wildlife. That same vibe, like, it's not bright enough. The seat feels just dangerous. So I get what he's saying, but it's also it's, cool. It's like the old bright. bug lights. That's the color. Yeah. And the hue. Yeah, but okay. instead of bugs, they, they zap. 
Multicolored birds. <laughs> Zach is getting triggered. Um, next question. Yeah. Next question. Next question from the dot two. Did you need to say next question three times? <laughs> What's the next? We got next question yet? Is, you make is it. going to die. I might have to cut this out because we're having a chip eating and we're, kills is dying over here. Jeez. What, what, what just happened? Are we okay, Gills? Gills. I'm okay. Okay. Next question comes from the dot two. Sorry, everyone. I read where Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF are negotiating to join the Big 12 in 2023, along with BYU, whom I believe has already set the date as well. Do you expect to have two Big 12 football seasons, 22, 23, and 24, with 14 teams? Okay, so... Again, there was some confusion on this, by the way, to clarify what was said, because I was in Vegas. I saw the tweet and I wasn't sure if that meant per school buyout or as a package buyout. specific competitor site reported 22 that that they were supposed to join in 22, which would be this fall. That That's not incorrect. That, that but, was a typo. That is incorrect. Yes. That was just a typo. It's 23. Yes. But the, the total was like 17 to 20 million. I believe it's conference like. The three of them combined will pay six million apiece. I believe that is how I read it. Because seventeen to twenty million apiece seems outrageous for one early year. Yeah, considering what the actual rights fees are giving up in the American. But when you stop and think, Oklahoma's trying to argue they can't do twenty-five million to get to the SEC early. I'm like, well, that just doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense. If that happens. I really, I still believe Oklahoma and Texas are going to try to get out early. There is nothing that benefits Oklahoma and Texas by playing those schools. Nothing benefits, and I've said it over and over, year one, they should be going to those schools. If you can work it out where they go to three of those four schools on the road games, Just ask do the it. final question, Gills. Just ask the final question. Gills or not, Cole. Sorry, sorry, Cole, Cole. My bad. Okay, from Derby Cat. How would you do the scheduling when the four new teams are added? I would for sure not give Texas or Oklahoma any favors. No. There you go. You're absolutely not. No, you, you can't be so blatantly unfair that you don't you end up in law in, in the court. You don't want a lawsuit. But then again, by sending Texas to Cincinnati and Oklahoma to Provo and you know, Texas maybe to Central Florida, and oh, I'd send Texas to Houston, Oklahoma to Central Florida. That would be fun. Make sure they play each. They play two of those schools in the first year. Yeah, I'm all for it. I don't know how you're going to construct a 14 team schedule and avoid divisions. It's going to get really difficult, but a computer can work it out. But as sure as God, as as you plug in. Oklahoma and Texas have to play on this state, and Kansas State has to play on the road their first week of the season. You plug those things in, too, and make the computer figure it out. And if they want to stick around the two years, oh, yeah, you're going to play at all four sites. You're going to raise their profile as much as possible. So if we're setting odds, what are the odds that there'll be 14 teams over two seasons? I, I th Personally, I think it's more likely for one season. I agree. Because I don't think there's any way – after Texas and Oklahoma get put through the ringer by the new commissioner, right? This will be a thing. The commissioner will be – there will be a new commissioner's office. There's no way they don't put them through the ringer because there literally is no reason for the Big 12 to do them any favors. No. Like there, there, there's, no, there's no reason for that. So why wouldn't you give them the crap into the deal? 
I, I wh- and then on that same note, if you're OU, especially if you're OU, you know, why are you as the one who is, you know, maybe not financially, but you're dragging along Texas to the SEC. I get that Texas is going to the SEC because they're the one that has the money and they needed to bring Oklahoma, and I get that. But competitively, right. what competitive speaking? Texas is a great addition for the SEC. Mm-hmm. But there's brilliant. there's no reason why there's no reason why they would want to stay in the Big Twelve. It does them nothing. Yeah, I mean Texas is brilliant for the SEC. They bring a lot of clout. They bring a lot of fans. They bring a lot of money, and they don't bring a lot of wins. And they're not going to win in that conference. And they can't win in the Big 12. How the hell are they going to win the SEC? It's a great addition. Oklahoma's going to – I'm, I'm going to admit this. The SEC has better teams at the top than the Big 12. And I'll admit that they, for years, because of the way the rules were constructed or not enforced, they've also gotten better players. But that could all change with the changing landscape, the NIL, gambling, just everything that goes on with TV contracts. You just don't know how it's all going to impact – but if they want to stay and they don't want to pay the money, you make them pay another way. And that's it's vengeful. But you know what? They deserve it. They deserve it. You brought this on. This is totally your doing. Now have fun living it for two years or pay us $50 million. Basketball, basketball should be brought up in this too. I mean – you could send them out to, to Provo on a Saturday, and then they got to turn back around and play in Morgantown on Tuesday. I don't know if they do that, but, I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility either, which there is some serious competitive disadvantages if something like that happens, and I don't think the Big 12 cares. No, I don't, I don't care either. I'm, screw them. Got another yawn? We could use it right now. That wasn't a yawn. That was something totally inappropriate. We got to get out of here. That was just weird. This, the, I'm, this is why we don't video broadcast our podcast. Plus the dogs. They've just been unruly the whole time. Thanks for listening to the Powercat Questions podcast. And Overtime is also coming up this week. I can't use music anymore because Spotify has gone crazy. And we just can't use any music. We can't sneak it by anyone. So there'll be lots, lots of eating chips. But I will use, every time we talk about Chick-fil-A, Onward Christian Soldiers, it's a tradition. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.